0: Heard the Lord say something early Tuesday morning to me. He said, if the church is going to see the change desired, it must partner with Holy Spirit. It is not an option. And I knew he was telling me something that in some ways is very basic, and yet there was a depth to it and a reminding in it that we are to pay attention to that evidently we must stir up for our times and I want to talk about what I believe is the number one weapon the church has and also the greatest resource we have to change what we see happening in our world and that that is clearly uh, seen it is not an option. The reason heaven sent two equal members of the Godhead to earth is so very important to understand. The success of the church depends on it. Jesus, a part of the Godhead, actually came. And Holy Spirit, another equal part of the Godhead, who Jesus called his other self, in John 14 and verse 16, also came. Jesus came so fallen humanity could be born-again heirs in the family of God. Holy Spirit came to lead those newborn heirs into the destiny the Godhead had planned for them, and everyone has a Godhead-planned destiny. We have seen many times the word for purpose is prothesis. Before you're born, God wrote your thesis. Before you were born, God wrote about His destiny for you. Holy Spirit comes to lead newborn heirs into the thesis of the Godhead for their life and to empower those heirs to reign on the earth with Christ. Also... Holy Spirit comes to help establish the kingdom of, of Christ on the earth and empower His ecclesia, the church. Please know that two equal members of the Godhead did not come to earth to do this, to lose to Lucifer, to lose to hell's kingdom. No, they came to see the purpose of the Godhead win. They came to see that God's people and the church of Jesus Christ prevails. And today, I want to talk about the kingdom of God that Jesus taught to his disciples for 40 days between the the resurrection and the day of Pentecost, which we've looked at the last couple of weeks. For 40 days, He, in His resurrected body, appeared to these disciples and He taught them specifically about the function of His kingdom. And then that kingdom was birthed on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, just as the Godhead had purposed, just as it had planned. I want to talk about that spiritual kingdom Uh, that that kingdom of God's governing authority that is led by the Holy Spirit on the earth right now. Also, I want to blend into that, the dominion mandate and also the authority language of the true ecclesia. Things that I want to put together for, for our times that I believe are strategic right now. The Godhead's plan of sending Holy Spirit to empower the heirs being with them and also in them and bringing his angel armies to assist them is absolutely brilliant. It's one of the most fascinating studies in all of the scriptures and it ensures that we win if, if we follow him. And we must embrace that because without him We are not going to see revival. Without Him, we won't see the world changed. Without Him, we won't see miracles. Without Him, we cannot flow in power and authority. The Holy Spirit is the most important being on the planet right now. He is brilliant. He is wise. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is God baptized into our spirit. Listen, please, to these foundational scriptures. Uh, John chapter 7 is where we begin, verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the Scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, that's capitalized, so it's Holy Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Jesus had not yet been crucified when he makes this statement and raised to the right hand of the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. But remember, he constantly told his disciples, his followers, when I get there, when that happens, I will send the Holy Spirit. Now, John 14, verse 16, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, he, he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. A divine helper is with you and in you. A being of divine authority, divine, divine power. Is with you and in you. He is a Godhead ruler that is with you and in you. Now, John 14, 26. But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said unto you. In other words, he will remind you of my words. He will teach you what I am saying, and He will even teach you things that are yet to happen, things to come. John 16, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send him to you. So Holy Spirit is the helper as well as his angels. Hebrews 1 and verse 14 says, The angels are helpers. They are ministering spirits sent to minister or help the heirs, the heirs of salvation. Holy Spirit's the helper. His angels are the helper. And He is our advantage. He gives us, always gives us the edge. Luke 24, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, after He had taught for 40 days concerning the kingdom, He then says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. One more, Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there come a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them. From the book of Ezekiel, we know that that was angels. Angels often appear as tongues of fire and one sat over each one of them. Those angels were uh, angels of, of God's glory that carry fire from his altar. He was firing things up, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Until four or five years ago, I had never connected the dominion mandate in Genesis 1, to what happened here in Acts chapter 2, the Pentecost outpouring. I heard the Lord say to me one day, I want you to study the baptism of the Holy Spirit and study speaking in other tongues. That was a bit of surprise to me. Because I was raised in Pentecost, I was raised in Pentecostal churches, my dad was a Pentecostal pastor, and I already knew all there was to know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. I wasn't going to say that to him because I didn't want him to know. But when he said it, I knew you don't know something There is something about this you don't understand, and now it's an assignment from the Lord. So I began to dive deeply into the Scriptures, setting aside preconceived teaching and notions. And, of course, I began to see ever more clearly the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues was vital to what the Godhead wanted done. It was crucial to the plan then, and it is that way today as well. And it's why hell fights it so much with demon doctrine. I mean, it wasn't something that just happened on the day of of Pentecost and God says, well, okay, let's go with it. I don't know why they're talking in other tongues. But okay. There wasn't a fresh outpouring of power from heaven and then it just so happened the people involved, all of them, began speaking in other tongues. No, something so significant was happening that an equal person of the Godhead came to oversee it. The Holy Spirit Himself came and filled the 120 in the upper room, and whether it fits your doctrinal position or not, they all spake in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. The question begging to be answered is, why? Why? Was it just so all of those uh, around the Feast of Pentecost could hear the wonderful works of God in their language, or was it something far deeper than that. Well, of course, it was far deeper than that. The original intent for man was what was involved. The purpose that God had declared was in the beginning was now being breathed on again by the fresh winds of a Pentecost. It was being lifed again. See, there's no purpose of God that he's ever declared that can ultimately be defeated. And they all began to speak in other tongues under Holy Spirit anointing. Now, we cannot say that that's wrong. We can't say it's crazy. We can't say that's foolish. We can't say it's childish. We can say we don't understand it. We, we can say that it doesn't make sense to us, but we've got to say it was God. We've, we must say he planned it. We must say it was brilliant because everything he does is brilliant. We must say there is a very, very, very good reason for this because God never does anything without a very, very, very good reason. We must see it is extremely important for some reason. I mean, Acts 2 happened how it happened because God wanted it to happen that way. He had his reasons, and he's talking to us about those reasons, and it's fascinating. There's a depth to it we've not allowed ourselves to see. He's showing me it's about the original intent for man from the very beginning. Acts chapter 2 has to do with the dominion mandate God gave to man in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. I had never seen that before, and I had never heard anybody really talk about that before. Man had messed up. He had fallen into sin. And now the decision was being made by the Godhead to send one of the Trinity members, the divine part of the Godhead, to go this time and help them do it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in a heavenly language is designed to help newborn children Newborn man, newborn sons and daughters of God, the heirs of God, and the joint heirs with Christ, it's it's designed to implement the function of the dominion mandate on the earth. And that is found in 126 of Genesis, saying this, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In other words, over everything. Because of the cross, because Jesus paid the price for our sins, now those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, for them the dominion mandate has been restored. That's, that's a part of what Acts chapter 2 is about. We are to rule and reign on the earth in Christ's name. Romans 5, 17 says, in this life. Rule and reign in this life. Not the next one, not in the millennial, in this life. And now I'm beginning to see even more clearly that at Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit Himself, a divine member of the Godhead, Holy Spirit, an equal member, comes to assist born-again sons and daughters of God implement it. Holy Spirit is the key in the New Testament. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues is about restoring governing authority on the earth and it is about christ's kingdom ecclesia rising to rule and reign see when 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 it came to man's redemption god didn't leave that to anybody but himself jesus came to personally see to it and now where the dominion mandate being restored is concerned, where reborn man implementing kingdom of God government on the earth is concerned, God again comes in the person of the Holy Spirit. He comes to lead it. He comes to anoint us. And He comes to gift us, according to 1 Corinthians 12, with nine specific gifts of the Spirit that are designed to help us implement the dominion mandate on the earth. Now, Acts chapter 2 tells us very clearly that the very first thing the Holy Spirit does for those he fills with his presence and power is reactivate their ability to speak a heavenly language. It's the very first thing that he does in a new kingdom era. Remember, they lost that ability at Babel, and I've taught that before, but they lost that ability at Babel. Heaven's language was taken away at Babel. Up until then, everyone spoke God's spirit language, his power language, his creative language, his His governing language. Everyone spoke the language of heaven which is a spirit language. God is a spirit, and he speaks a spirit language. Father God spoke that spirit language. Jesus spoke that spirit language. Holy Spirit spoke that spirit language. The angels speak that spirit language. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13:1 says, the angels have a language. It is a spirit language. And also, they can speak natural languages. All of them can, the Godhead or angels. Now, this spirit language must be understood because it had a unity of purpose in it that was impregnated with God's life, with the essence of His being. His glorious presence was was infused somehow into that language. And we are told that it was nothing's impossible language. So powerful that it spoke a universe into being. So powerful that it, that it, it, it spoke a mud ball into, into being. It refurbished a mud ball, declaring "Be it was. Well, when Adam and Eve were created, they had to speak a language. They had to be taught how to talk, and, and God was the only one around, and it was God who taught them how to to speak. What did he teach them? He taught them his spirit language, a language that was infused with his power, a language that was infused with governing authority or governing power. It was filled with creative abilities. Creative power was in it. Well, Adam and Eve taught it to their kids, who taught it to their kids, and so on. Until the Tower of Babel, Babel, in Genesis 11, they all spoke it. Remember what happened at Babel? Man at that point decided he's gonna build this, this religious occultic tower with all the signs of the zodiac engraved in it, put on it somehow. And they were gonna worship from there the astrological heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, the planets. The thinking was, this will make us famous. The thinking was, we'll become rich and we'll become the religious center of all the earth. And of course, this was going to promote demon thinking even further on the earth. They said, we're going to build an occultic tower that reaches out into the heavens and we're going to worship there. And God said... We're going to have to go down there and confuse their language. Think about that a minute. There had to be a dozen ways God could have stopped this. An asteroid? Earthquake? But no, he specifically said, we're going to have to go down there and confuse their language. Because if they use my language, God says, they can do this. If they use my language, they can build this because my language does not have a particle of negation in it. My language is creative. My language is powerful. My language is filled with authority. It's nothing's impossible language. That's why language or words are so important to God. It's why they're so important in the kingdom. He says, like our triunity in the Godhead is blended together in supernatural oneness of purpose, so we have blended unity of purpose and creative governing power into our spirit language. Again, it doesn't have a particle of negation in it. None. Our spirit language has our breath of life in it. It's Alive language is how you would have to say it. Doesn't sound that that great, but that's the the principle. It's alive language, alive. It's it's infused with supernatural abilities. It's, It's supernatural language. It's far different than the natural languages of the earth. It's a whole other level of power. And we begin to see somehow heaven's spirit language has the life essence of Jesus in it. It's a bit of a mystery. Like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being one is a bit of a mystery. But Jesus is called in the Scriptures the Word of God. The Word of God. There's a oneness of Jesus and the word, or a oneness of Jesus and spirit language. His his governing ability is breathed into it somehow. I mean, Jesus is government, He's king. You can't get higher. He is government, He is authority, He is rule and power. And his kingdom language is alive with his governing power. It's language energized by Holy Spirit on the earth who is his other self. His kingdom authority is in it. His creative ability is in it. Explosive power, dunamis, is in it. He and his word, we are told, are one. And when voiced, it produces after its kind, which is what the rest of Genesis chapter 1 is about. Everything produces after its kind. In other words, it will create what it says. It's spirit alive language. I believe that's what the Apostle John was describing in St. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Verse 1 of that says of Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, or excuse me, in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. Jesus is the Word. Now, that word, word, is logos, and it simply means in the Greek language, divine expression through communication. It means divine expression through speech, divine expression through language, divine expression through an utterance. Could be a declaration. Jesus is divine expression. His language is divine expression. It's filled with creative ability. Now, verse 2. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. His language lifed everything. It created everything. It said be, and it was. Now verse 5, the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So Jesus is described as the Word of God from the beginning. He is identified as the Word that was made flesh. His governing authority is infused into his spirit language. So God says, we can't let fallen man use that. We, we have got to stop that, or man's iniquity is going to be ingrained further. He said, they'll, they'll be able to do this. It's nothing impossible language. It's, it's unity of purpose synergizes power. It synergizes production. There's no particle of negation in it. In other words, it never turns negative. Never does. Hmm. So God confused man's language at Babel. And the language of man remained the natural flesh languages from then on until Acts chapter 2, when God reversed Babel for the born-again ones, and returns to his sons and daughters his spirit language activated by the holy spirit he returns to them nothing's impossible language holy spirit comes and reactivates believers to pray in the spirit he reactivates the dominion mandate he he reactivates powerful no negative language. The first thing he does, Holy Spirit, the first thing he does when the first ecclesia is birthed in the upper room in the book of Acts is restore spirit language. It's the first thing he does. It has to be strategic. Nothing else makes sense. And of course... The ecclesia, the church, the heirs, must learn to partner with the Holy Spirit and using spirit language, pray governing prayers like the early ecclesia who opened up the nations and who turned the world upside down. We have got to deepen our understanding and usage of nothing's impossible language, the the heavenly language, the power language, the authority language, the creative language. Now hear this. This blows my mind. Then my mind's easily blown, I guess. This is amazing to me. Jesus was the expression, the communication, the speech or utterance of it in the beginning, and now we Who are his joint heirs? We are to communicate God's word on the planet now. What an honor. What a privilege. What a calling. What a responsibility. We are to communicate his creative decrees. We're to decree his purpose. We're to decree his authority his will, his government, as Holy Spirit gives us the utterance with restored spirit language and as Holy Spirit enlightens us to make decrees of faith in our natural language as well. And it is both. We've learned to do it in the natural language, but we haven't learned it to the level we should in spirit language. I'll never forget when I was taught this. It it was so clear, and it instantly changed my thinking. It reset me. I was trying to pray for some things, and I just couldn't seem to, I couldn't pray it right. And I would begin to make a decree, and I thought, well, wait a minute. I don't even know if that's, is that the will of God? Does he want that? Should we do it this way? And so I just worshiped a while and I started to pray again. And and I started to try to make decrees just from the scripture. And I'm like, is that God's plan? I'm not sure. And I worshiped some more and I started again. And I started to become frustrated because I didn't know. And as clear as I have ever heard the Holy Spirit, He said right down here, Could have been out loud. It was so clear. He said, let me do it. Let me do it. And I began to yield to him and prayed one of the most bold prayers I have ever prayed in my life. Holy Spirit is the strategist. Holy Spirit's the wisdom. He, he's the guide. He's in charge. And through his anointing, his empowering, we are to now in our ecclesias, in our New Testament churches, make ruling decrees in the spirit realm, letting him do it that affects the natural realm. See, as Christ heirs, we are to be governors on this earth anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's the brilliant one who leads us to function in kingdom government authority. Without, Without Him, you can't function in it. Without Him, you can do nothing. That's why Jesus told the first Ecclesia, don't even think about it. Don't try it. You go to Jerusalem and you wait till it happens. He said... I'm sending him to help you govern and make disciples of nations. Matthew 28, verse 19. I'm sending him to help you. I'm I'm, I'm sending him to help you set societal standards. Think we might need his help right now. I'm sending him to help you set the proper rules of conduct for a society we might just need his help right now he's your power he's your advantage he will be with you and in you he'll baptize himself into you and because he immerses himself into your reborn spirit you will always have the advantage you'll always have the edge so no matter what we see right now we must say we have the edge. We have the advantage. He will activate explosive spirit prayer language in you, exercising the dominion of the kingdom of Almighty God. He'll teach you strategies. He'll teach you strategies to begin to declare in the natural language and the spirit language. He'll help you pray kingdom government Onto the earth. He'll help you decree in spirit language and in natural language. Kingdom come. Will of God on earth as it is in heaven. What would happen if the will of God came on the earth right now? Is there anything you can think of that wouldn't change? You want to change things you got to partner with Holy Spirit. He will help you bind things. He will help you loose things. He will help you forbid things. If you don't know exactly what needs to be forbidden, let him pray. He'll help you declare be to what I'm saying. He'll help you overcome. Let him pray. Let him pray in the Spirit. Spirit language, let him... Anoint you to pray with your understanding both. Do both. Release your kingdom authority in my name and the government of hell will not prevail against you. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus commanded his his followers to receive is far more than we've really ever thought about. Here's just a quick list of what it is. Number one, it is authority language loosed on earth through the heirs, the sons and the daughters of God. Number two, it's God's wisdom prayed upon the earth or onto the earth. Holy Spirit is the wisdom of God. And he can teach you what that wisdom is. Number three, it is often God's strategies prayed upon, uh, onto the earth and revealed to the heirs. This would include anointing for revelation and enlightenment through the scriptures and also include the activation of angels of enlightenment who can connect us to wisdom, connect us to strategy, and also assist us to do it. Number four... Praying in the Spirit, it's sometimes God judging something on the earth. Yes, God can still judge things on the earth. Five, sometimes it's God forbidding things on earth or releasing things using the heirs, just as the dominion mandate suggested in Genesis. Six, Sometimes, Holy Spirit prays through us to come against a demonic throne, a throne of iniquity, deep-rooted sin, a root of iniquity, or some other activity of hell. Sometimes, He'll pray through us prayers that come against a throne of darkness. And we need to trust that God with us divine God, Holy Spirit with us and in us certainly knows plenty we don't know he knows timing we don't know he knows angel army positioning that we don't know after all, one of his names is Lord Sabaoth the Lord of angel armies he knows positioning of angel armies we don't know He sees a picture that we don't see. Let him pray. Let him help. Kingdom ecclesias need to let him get hold of things together with them. That's what Paul said in Romans 8, 26. There are times when we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit is never stumped. He always knows. And he will pray the will of God, it says. The word ought is dia. It means necessary, right, or proper. We don't always know what's necessary. We don't always know what's right. We don't always know what's proper, but he always does. And the Greek phrase in, in Romans 8 is so important to understand. It's a long one, and it simply is a phrase meaning to get hold of together with or grab hold of together with. We, we must, we don't know how to pray as we ought, and sometimes we must let him get hold of things together with us. What would happen if the ecclesia would rise and let Holy Spirit get hold of things together with us? Let him decree some things in spirit language. Let him voice authority on the earth through heaven language. It's amazing to me how many times that I've decreed or I've preached something or even wrote in one of the books. It's amazing how many revelations I've I've proclaimed over the years that looking back on it now, I know Holy Spirit, first of all, prayed that through me. And I know he did. I know it. I know it in my knower. I know I prayed that in the Spirit. And then Holy Spirit began to give me the understanding. He began to give me He he began to teach me about that. He began to reveal what all of that was about. And then I could make accurate decrees based on Scripture. And then I could accurately communicate revelation from the spirit realm. Sometimes when praying in the spirit, revelation surges and uh, awareness just begins to dawn deep inside of my spirit concerning something. And I then find myself decreeing things, uh, and, and often it's very, very bold. Things like, you power of darkness, you are coming down in Jesus' name. And you think, wow, that just come up out of me. That rose from a different place. That came from from a different realm inside of me. Or sometimes, you throne of iniquity, how dare you? Stop it. Stop it now in the name of King Jesus. I send the angel armies against you. And I declare this will not stand in Jesus' name. It's like I'm becoming another person here or something. There's a boldness on it. You power of hell, you are going to be scattered and you are going to be shattered in the name of Jesus Christ. This battle is not mine, it is the Lord's. And we are going to win. Kingdom, the kingdom of God occupies that throne. And how dare you take it? You're coming down. And, And it just rises up. Those types of decrees just rise up out of my spirit quite often when I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I simply float with that, trusting Holy Spirit. Often he then begins to reveal decrees. Often he then begins to reveal scriptures that begin to steer intercession. I know that that is foreign to most of the church today, the nominal church. But it is actually New Testament Christianity, and we need to get back to it. There are times when praying in my spirit language that I've known, and I've, I've known very clearly that I'm partnering with Holy Spirit here to pull down strongholds. I know I'm, I'm expressing governing authority in praying this. He's praying through me to assist the binding of hell. Actually, I have probably been probably been agreeing together with hundreds of intercessors that he's prompting at the same moment to pray this. There's a supernatural agreement that we're praying together as intercessors, maybe around the entire planet, to pull this stronghold down. See, my weapon isn't carnal. This isn't a flesh weapon. This is not a natural flesh weapon. This is a spiritual weapon... It's a supernatural weapon that is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's a kingdom of God weapon. It's it's a weapon of governing intercession that has the essence of King Jesus and his kingdom authority in it. I'm expressing the sentiments of the Godhead. I'm expressing the sentiments of King Jesus using His authority as Holy Spirit gives the utterance or the ability. My breath, my breath is aligning then with what He breathed. That's what makes it alive. My breath is aligning with what He breathed, with words, sentiments, phrases, statements that he breathed, and my breath aligning with what he breathed activates governing authority. My breath, releasing spirit language, activates creative power. It activates nothing's impossible language. Yes, pray in in the understanding, in your understanding. Yes, pray in your natural language. It engages your mind. It engages your emotions. It engages your heart. And of course, we are to pray that way. We've understood that, at least most of the remnant has. But the Godhead said, Holy Spirit, who knows things we don't, who sees things we don't, Who knows how to activate angel armies in ways we don't, who understands satanic schemes in ways we don't, who understands available resources we don't. The Godhead sent an equal member of the Trinity. Don't think of the Holy Spirit as an inferior part of the Godhead, He is equal, He's an equal part of the Trinity. the God had sent an equal member of the Trinity to baptize himself into your spirit to be with you and in you. That's why over and over Paul said to the, the churches he wrote to, don't you know who's in you? It is God in you hope of glory he sent him to be with you and in you and we are to yield to him and let him assist let him assist you let him make intercession through you in languages of the spirit in the spirit realm spirit language if you're going through a difficult time yes pray about it pray in the natural of course Pray the scriptures as best you know but also pray in the spirit because he knows things you don't and he will never pray a negative prayer ever it's not in the language if you're praying in the holy ghost you're praying in the positive powerful creative language of the godhead there's no particle of negation in it if you need resources pray And decree what god says but also pray in the spirit he knows what you don't know the ecclesia must learn this very well in our times it's not optional that's the way it came to me it's what started this putting all this together it's not optional you want to win it's not optional the Ecclesian needs to learn to engage with the Holy Spirit in governing intercession. We need to let him pray the will of God onto the earth. For kingdom of God government to go to a higher level in this new era of Pentecost, that has already begun. We have to learn to exercise, use, and function in nothing's impossible language. And we I believe we are now seeing a shift into a spirit dimension that we have only engaged in in a kind of a hit-and-miss way. A conscious awareness of who's in us and a conscious understanding of how he partners and we partners with us, and assists us. I believe in this new era Pentecost, we're going to see a remnant, we're going to see an ecclesia, the true church, partner with the other self of Christ, finally, in greater ways than we ever have before, and the works that Jesus did, we are going to do also and even greater works because he went to the father and he sent his other self singers and musicians come please thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord, thank you, lord. wow would you stand please Father, today we recognize the brilliant plan once again of what what you did in the book of Acts and what you are doing now. Since so much the breath of heaven is coming upon this supernatural principle because you want to engage the kingdom, government, government of Christ on the earth in ways that we have not allowed. Lord, help us to see, yes, we have responsibility, but, but we have the Holy Spirit with and in us to assist us in realms that are so much, so much more in depth than we have ever seen before. Help us to understand and begin to partner in ways that activate kingdom government in this nation and in all nations. Help the heirs, those that are listening in this room today or listening all around the nation or world. Help them to see that you are with and in them to assist them, making decrees of the King in supernatural ways, helping them to pray nothing's impossible language, helping them to pray the spirit realm into the earth realm. Lord, help us to understand clearly understand that Pentecost isn't just an event it's a way the kingdom grows, it's a way the kingdom expands, it's a way your kingdom increases, it's a way it rules and reigns, it's a way your heirs rule and reign I pray for that supernatural revelation to come Remove the blinders from our eyes and help us to see the partnership of heaven and earth into these realms, these earth realms. We give ourselves, Lord, here to partner with you, to yield ourselves to you, to pray your will and your plan onto the earth to allow the sentiments of the king to come against rulers of darkness spirits of iniquity thrones of iniquity come in such boldness Lord that we arise with no intimidation and declare what you say to rise and with no negativity state what you say let it come through every air lord let the airs rise up see what they they've been made to be in the name of jesus seal this holy spirit inside of our hearts